said a lot in football when close teams meet. Head coaches will tell you, well, this game could come down to turnovers. We've seen so far through four games that mistakes have cost the losing team. You think about the mistakes by the Cardinals in game one defensively. Turnover. Mistakes by the Red Sox in game two. Turnover. The obstruction in game three said turnover. Last night the game ended on a kickoff at first base. Turnover. Good morning and welcome to episode... You just told me. I did. 317. Not only did I tell you, but since we're on multiple of fives, you should you should just know. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's always the problem, though. It's Monday. Like, when I think about it, I think, well, it's Monday, so that means it's it's 316, but then mm. we're recording for today. You see, you know. Uh, 317 of Effectively Wild, a daily podcast from BaseballPerspectives.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Ben, how are you? Okay. So my favorite question from the press conference, the managerial press conference after this game, mm. uh, was the guy who asked uh, John Farrell whether uh, David Ortiz was had already locked up series MVP, whether they win or lose, uh-huh. which uh, is just, just absolutely no way you're going to get John Farrell to answer that question <laughs> on his parents. But, right. then, but then what really drove it home was when he asked Mike Matheny that also, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, which is like same guy really, asked. I assume same guy, but I'm not sure. I I, I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, my my guess is it was the same guy. It sort of seemed like the same guy to me. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, Someone like, asked he me is, that on Twitter during the game. It, well. Asking you that is legitimate. <laughs> yeah. Asking anybody in the world who's not like a participant in the game and whose answers aren't completely predictable and like dodgeable, you know, always dodging, mm-hmm. uh, is is an exception. Uh, but I mean, also asking Matheny, like, 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 hey, you know, like, is it is the guy on the other side so good that like there's nothing you can do to be better than him at this point in time is probably not yeah uh an answer he would uh question he would appreciate but is there the, do you happen to know if there's precedent for that for uh for, uh yeah sure there's... yeah kevin uh, uh jeffrey leonard in the uh 87 nlcs okay. uh won the mvp in a losing effort uh-huh. um uh, it, it, I think it used to be. I think it used to be some. I don't know how common it used to be, but I think it used to be semi-common. Uh-huh. Um, but it, I don't think you used to have to be on a winning team to win the league MVP either. I, I think that has become a more a stricter rule in recent years. Um, it's tough but, to think of who the Cardinals' choice would would even be at this point. I mean, we have a couple, one or two games left, but. I guess Matt Holiday, if he hits some more homers or something, but they haven't really had the the individual performances that Boston has. Yeah, they lost game two, right? Which was the game that Walker pitched, and uh, yeah. So, because Walker has pitched well enough that he could he could win it, except you don't get it as a pitcher if you only win one game. Uh, Rosenthal, hmm? no, Rosenthal blew a game. Uh, the Cardinals Cardinals won game two. No, they won game two. Okay, so yeah, that's right. So yeah, so, yeah. Can, so Waka. Yeah, if he wins game six, he wins, then sure. Right, which he would have to do basically. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I, I'll put my money on Waka if they win. Um, I should do a, a quick correction segment, maybe about my little sure. my little rant from the end of the the podcast yesterday about how I was 
exasperated with with people who were declaring this series a, a coin flip, but then picking one team in six games. And I felt like if it was that even, then you'd expect it to go seven. I sort of had an inkling that maybe I was missing something there. Uh, a couple people emailed me, emailed us to note uh, that if a series is a coin flip, if the two teams are evenly matched, then it's no more likely to go seven than six, uh, because all six and seven game series must be three two after five games, uh, or else one one team would have won already. So, to choose between six and seven, all that matters is what happens in game six, uh, and if the two teams are are even, then both outcomes are are equally likely. The the leading team wins and the series ends in six, or the losing team wins and the series ends in seven. Uh, so a couple of people emailed us about that. One person did some simulations about that to see if home field advantage made any difference, and it didn't really. So I retract my exasperation with people who picked someone in six. Well, so now I've been thinking a lot about this, and I'm, I'm just as exasperated. I mean, if you're... I, we all acknowledge that there's a, a random factor to the postseason that makes predicting hard. But, I mean, at least it's reasonable to, you know, like to ask people to try to predict a thing. I mean, it's not totally random. But here we're actually, people are predicting a thing that is completely random, that is 100% <laughs> random. They are putting a prediction, whether they put six or seven. Mm. They're, they're actually predicting a random thing. <laughs> So that actually, to me, is much more exasperating. But the other thing is that it's actually not I, – I, I, I've been trying to wrap my head around this. Um, it is true that if they're perfectly evenly matched, that the, the chances of a six-game series or a seven-game series are, are equal. However, um, if you're a better team, mm -hmm. then the chances of a six-game series are more likely than a seven-game series. And so when a person says six, uh, they're – well – Oh, geez, it's, it's, I, I haven't been able to get my head around it, but more six-game series should be won by the better team mm. uh, because the good teams will win six-game series as well as the evenly matched teams will win six-game series. Mm -hmm. So if you predict six, you are actually, in a way, you are uh, allowing that the, 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 the team that wins is more likely to be better than if you predict seven. Yeah, that's that seems right. Yeah, I guess I haven't been able to figure out a way to express this. I've been thinking about this for six hours, um, so, and I've given up. But if you I tried. if you disagree with what Tim said, then email us and tell us why that was wrong, and we can talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> but all right, so so all right, so we'll we'll talk about this game now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious. Uh, having watched David Ortiz, you know, do, be David Ortiz over the last five games, um, and and but also knowing, you know, what you know about the the illusion of of hotness, mm -hmm. um, would you be doing things differently right now if you were the Cardinals? And you know, one, I mean, in the most obvious way, there, there was a lot of talk about whether they should have intentionally walked him in the first inning with. Um, Pedroia on second and one out. Mm. Um, but, you know, even like watching Wainwright, where he kind of started, uh, he moved over to the other side of the pitching mound, which is a, an admission that, uh, that that Wainwright thinks that Ortiz is actually genuinely a different hitter mm -hmm. than typical David Ortiz, uh, and that this is not simply, you know, a, a, a random grouping of positive events from a guy who puts together a lot of positive events. Um, he, there's There was the way that he kind of altered his delivery slightly, 
Um, and, you know, just generally, uh, you know, he's so hot that, that um, you know, maybe there's different, you could think about pitching him slightly differently or being a little more aggressive in using your lefty relievers against him, all those sorts of things. Well, Would you change anything? It sort of seems like almost like they've gone in the opposite direction where, like, we don't even need to bring in a lefty because it won't make he's any difference because he's going to get a hit anyway. It seemed to be the case in game four uh, when when Choate was warmed up and he didn't come in and whether it was because of the four for 10 lifetime history of Ortiz off of Choate at that point, or whether it was because Ortiz uh, just looked so locked in, um, it almost seemed like they were just, <laughs> the Cardinals were just kind of resigned to it. Like, I, I guess if you, if you really do feel that way, like at a certain point, if you're that convinced that he's going to get a hit, then I guess it would make sense to walk him. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that convinced by it, but you know, if they think that the expectation of him getting a hit, like if they think he's a 500 hitter or something right now, uh, then, then they almost should put him on. Right. Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm asking you, I would not, I would not think that I would, I would you, would you change anything though? Would you have, if you had a scouting report on him going into the series, and I mean, it's David Ortiz. The scouting report is going to be pretty comprehensive. Mm-hmm. You've, you know, the, the league has faced him ten billion times. Mm-hmm. Um, would you change anything at this point? Was Wainwright? I guess was Wainwright wrong to start tweaking the things he was doing? I, Should Wainwright have just I treated mean, him exactly like he treated him in the first inning of uh, of game one? I would the second inning. I can't remember. I would think that once you start tweaking, you're just decreasing your own effectiveness. Probably. I I mean, I could be wrong about that, but if I were Adam Wainwright and I had really good stuff like I did, like he did that night, uh, I, I probably wouldn't do anything differently. If you start doing things differently, then he's kind of in your head and you're, you're letting him affect your own approach. And it seems like that's as likely to backfire as it is to, to do anything else. Like if there were some special tweak you could make to get Ortiz out, you would just always pitch like that, wouldn't you? To, to lefties at least I mean it's um yeah I so, guess you would but I mean I, I guess the thinking is that everything that they've tried the scouting report that they had they've tried it and it you know it, it either didn't work and so they they might talk themselves into thinking it won't work mm-hmm. or it might work against David Ortiz generally but David Ortiz might be better than David Ortiz generally like I mean Ortiz himself okay and and just for, I mean, to be clear, for the record, I think I, I'm with you. I don't think I would change anything. Um, and I think I would just treat him like he's the same. But um, Ortiz himself said, you know, they're making, you know, they've been making good pitches. They've, um, you know, these are pitches that when my swing gets a little longer, uh, I roll over. And, I mean, that's where the scouting report comes from. The scouting report comes from the idea that David Ortiz is going to roll over X number of pitches in certain locations, and that's the best way to get him out. If he's not rolling over any, and if it's because, as he says, his swing is not long, it's quick, it's short, it's on everything, mm-hmm. then you're basically talking about a different hitter right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the question is just whether it will be like that on his next swing, um, yeah. which I, <laughs> I, who knows? I, he's, I mean, it seems to me like he's 
a really good hitter who has happened to to have some some good games here at a at a really opportune time um and I, I i wouldn't really be confident that it will be the case in game six or game seven that he'll be better than he usually is which is really good but uh no i probably wouldn't do anything differently the crazy thing is that his uh his insane slash line right now as mark norman had pointed out uh includes the fly out that he hit in game one that was uh would have been a home run but <laughs> that's right Beltran <laughs> took it back yeah I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Uh, All right. So next thing, uh, John Lester hitting in the top of the seventh. Yeah. Uh, I I think he'd thrown like 14 pitches at that point. I mean, he was extremely extremely efficient up to that point. He was cruising. He looked great. I mean, he looked really super good, but it was a one-run game. Uh, there were nine outs to go, so certainly uh, the you know the whole bullpen is going to be able to to handle the the the, the, the labor factor at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and runners second and third, one out, a very easy run there to get home mm-hmm. with uh, with a with a major league hitter. Uh, and you know I practically no chance that Lester gets him home. I mean Lester's a, a very poor hitter. Yes. Um, and so they got. They ended up getting five outs out of Lester. Uh, what did you think about that decision? I mean, I guess it's a two two part question. I guess one is, it was that the right call, and the other is, is it realistic to think a man that that any manager would have pulled him? Uh, I I thought it was pretty terrible. Uh, I think it might have been might have been my least favorite move by either manager in this series and there have been really workman the brand well okay <laughs> okay uh all right it was one of the two worst moves involving letting <laughs> a really terrible pitcher hit um yeah yeah i and i don't i feel like we we dwell on managerial moves maybe too much and it's true that it's rare that the game actually comes down to the managerial move like this move we're talking about didn't come back to bite the Red Sox. It worked out fine. Um, even when a move does backfire, often it, it isn't a it isn't fatal. But we talk about these managerial moves managerial moves so much because I guess it's it's kind of an easy thing to analyze compared to I mean we can just we can talk about who the good players were in the game. We can talk about how Lester was really effective and efficient and how Wainwright was really good too, and there were lots of strikeouts and everything. But there's there's only so much you can say about that. So we end up talking about managers because I don't know. It, it like there was a, a a commenter I came across on Jeff Sullivan's story yesterday uh, about some of Matheny's moves who described managerial mistakes as like an unforced error. That's exactly yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. It's like the difference between. Uh, it's like a mental error, right? Yeah. It's when you go, oh, well, we, you know, we can handle it if you make a mistake, but we can't right. handle mental errors. Yeah. yeah. In in my article, I, I said it's like a premeditated mistake. It's a it's a mistake that you you consider all the factors and you have some time to to think about it and and weigh your options and then you you make the wrong move and so and there's no one forcing you to make the wrong move. It's not like you you were just beaten by a better pitch or whatever. You just you made a bad decision, um, and you can kind of quantify sort of how how bad a decision it is sometimes. 
Um, so that's why we end up talking about this so much. It doesn't mean that we think it's the most important thing in the game or the most enjoyable part of watching the game to nitpick managerial moves. It's just something that it's it's kind of an easier target and a, and a legitimate target. Uh, so yeah, who are, you, who are who are you defending yourself against right now? Have you been getting <laughs> I feel, emails or? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm on the defensive here. I don't know who's on the offensive, but um, but yeah, I just I kind of feel self conscious about it because we we're on Twitter every night and like night after night, it seems like we're making the same complaints about the same managers. Like, okay, if he left his starter in too long last night and every previous night. Probably he's going to do it tonight also, but we still trot out the same complaints. Um, And this is, yeah, I I thought this was a particularly bad one. Uh, Lester had been great. He had been efficient, but uh, yeah, I I just, I mean, at that point, he's only going to go an inning or two more at most. And even if, even if you knew in advance, the thing that, that Mitchell Lichman said uh, and I think as we record this, he's in the middle of writing a rant about how awful this move was. Um, even if you knew in advance that Lester was going to pitch two scoreless innings, it, it he he said it probably still would have been a bad move, just given the you know the the difference from those two scoreless innings to what you'd expect from whatever reliever you'd put in, and yeah. the difference between Lester and a pinch hitter in that situation. So, yeah, I I thought that was that was a bad one. That's interesting because I think this is a particular kind of move that does not feel repetitive to 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 harp on, because it's such the the variety of situations uh, feel like quite broad. Like you have different leads, different uh, op, you know offensive opportunities, different pitch counts, different pitcher effectivenesses, different bullpens, uh, in different states of the game. And so, to me, it feels like each one of these is its own little uh, its own little snowflake. And I love them all, but maybe the mistake I'm making is thinking that the managers are really wrestling with each of these. <laughs> and in fact, maybe none of these is even close mm-hmm. to making them think hard about it. Mm-hmm. And so they're like they're all they're all five you know five miles from the line. And so I should just think of them all as being clumped together. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, what about to the question of whether it's realistic? Do, do you think that Matheny? thought hard about this uh not Matheny uh the other one John Farrell uh do I think he thought I think it crossed his mind at least and I don't know some of the other situations like this I don't know whether it even would have crossed the manager's mind in this case I would think yes um like even if the bases had been empty at that point I probably still would have pinch hit for him and uh with two outs or with one out yeah. Do you think so? I think I'm so. Not sh- I, th- yeah, that w- that's, yeah, maybe I would have. That's a little harder for me. With, yeah, I, say- it's, it's harder, certainly. I, I probably still would have done it, and if that had been the situation, then I think it probably wouldn't have even crossed this yeah. line or he wouldn't have considered it seriously. Um, but the fact that that there were runners on and, and it was a rally and everything, I it must have, he must have wrestled with it a little bit, I would think, but... I don't know how many managers would have made a move there. Probably very few. I think I think there probably is a manager who would make that move, but um, mm-hmm. probably very few. Just you know, because it's the World Series. He's been pitching so well. He hasn't thrown a lot of pitches. Uh, he's you know the de-, de facto ace of the team. 
Um, yeah, I, I, most most would not have made that move, but I think it really should have been made. Well, so the Dodgers had almost this exact scenario um, and against the Cardinals and pulled Kershaw. It was the top of the seventh, same, and Kershaw had thrown 72 pitches uh, and was, well, I guess it was slightly different because they were trailing by one as opposed to being up by one, which is significant. Um, although I'm not sure which direction that's significant in. Actually, now that I think about it, you're more likely to want your... I would think you, you're less concerned about having your best pitcher in when you're down one than up one. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I guess Farrell's thinking is that Lester was his best pitcher. So, yeah. Uh, but also, Kershaw uh, was pinch hit for with uh, one runner on and two outs as opposed to you know two men in scoring position and, and one out. So... Uh, and, and anyway, Mattingly pulled Kershaw and was criticized for it. Now, Kershaw also had, I think, just started on short rest the previous start. And so, again, each of these is slightly different, um, which makes them fun. But, yeah, in thinking about it, I agree with you. I would have I would have pulled him even if it had been two outs or one out and nobody on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that's interesting is that, as we've, you know, as, I, as we've talked about, and as I think I talk about a lot more than probably is necessary, in the postseason, the, what, is, uh, what is a scarce resource shifts uh, and becomes opposite. And your bullpen is no longer scarce. You no longer need to preserve it in any way. Whereas the one resource that is scarce in this in this postseason is John Lester. And so you might conceivably argue that by letting him uh, throw 25 or 30 more pitches, you uh, keep him from coming back in Game 7 in any sort of significant 2-4 to four inning role. Mm. Um Whereas if you pull him after 60 pitches or whatever he had thrown, uh, it's conceivable that he's got 40 pitches in him, uh, 40 high-quality pitches in him mm-hmm. uh, on two days rest on Wednesday or on uh, Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's another thing that's worth thinking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if, if Farrell did think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess the other, other thing we could talk about, it, it seems like, we talked earlier in the series and we talked after game one, after Wainwright pitched about the Red Sox making pitchers work and the impact of that. And sort of seems like that you, you could make the case at least that that was the difference in this game. Um, I think uh, Lester and Wainwright both, I mean, they, they both pitched uh, extremely well, but there was a difference in, in how hard they had to work um, and I don't know whether you want to attribute that entirely to the lineups they were facing or just their own command and stuff and everything. But uh, there was a difference in that uh, I think Wainwright entered the seventh with 86 pitches and Lester was at like 69. Um, so fairly significant difference there in how hard they had to work to get to that point. And then the seventh turned out to be sort of the, the pivotal inning. Um where Wainwright gave up a couple runs and Lester didn't. So if you if you want to make that case, you can make the case that that it was the Red Sox patience and taking pitches and making Wainwright work that maybe cost him a little bit of stuff or something by that point in the game and that they were able to to get to him then in part because of that. Um, and you could applying the same argument that we've been talking about, you could. You can say that Adam Wainwright shouldn't have been in the game. 
right? I, you, I mean, he pitched. Oh, yeah. He pitched six innings. It was his third time through the order. To Ellsbury, it's yeah. Clearly, it seems to me that he shouldn't have been there for Ellsbury. Yeah, right. Uh, and you could even say he shouldn't have pitched at all in that inning. That that you know, Carlos Martinez had had a had had a day off. They could have done Shelby the... Miller. I believe it had a day off. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, that's how they how they ended the the Waka game was just going straight from Waka to Martinez for two to Rosenthal. That worked pretty well. Uh, they they could have tried to do the same thing here uh, with with Martinez having had a had a day off. They didn't. They stuck with Wainwright. And again, it's the same thing. You've got a an ace who's you know your your top guy. He's the guy you want in there in a in a high leverage situation in the World Series, and he's gotten you this far, and he's striking out everyone and I don't know how many managers make that move either. Probably not not many, um, mm-hmm. but you could you could say that that was the difference here too. Uh, all right, last thing I want to ask you about um, game six is obviously a, it's a must win situation for the Cardinals and um, uh, maybe Chris Singleton. I don't remember somebody on uh, ESPN um, mentioned this idea that. The Red Sox might consider it something, if not a uh, must-win, a, a, a Game 7-type situation, uh, then more than typical because their Game 7 starter is kind of like going to be a, 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 a something they're not happy with. You know, like it's probably going to be Jake Peavy. Uh, Jake Peavy has, you know, arguably never had a good postseason start. Uh, he had a bad September for the, for the Red Sox. Um, he had a, you know, bad first start in this series. Um, and, uh, that's really their, their, you know, they're kind of their only option. I mean, I, they could go to Dubront, they could go to Dempster, um, Buckles is obviously nothing like an option at all at this point. And he's available probably, out of the bullpen for whatever that's worth. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's not like the Cardinals have, you know, Wainwright coming back for game seven or anything like that. They've got Joe Kelly, um, and an all-hands-on-deck, other than that, uh, approach. Um, so, I mean, it's not as though they're going to be at a, at a huge disadvantage or maybe any disadvantage at all. But um, on the other hand, they're, they're, they're probably kind of internally thinking, you know, what what do we get from PV? We can't expect much from him at this point, um, and we don't have much else. So do you think that they manage this game or they approach this game uh, any differently because of that, or is this – do they have the luxury of, of getting to, to, to play conservatively? Uh, well, I think they would certainly manage game seven uh, differently. I mean, they would, I, I, I can imagine that if PV gets in any trouble at all, uh, he'll be, he'll be gone. I mean, I, I don't know that the options that they have to replace PV or to relieve PV in spite no, I'm talking about games. I'm I know, talking about game I know, six. I know. Yeah, um, yeah okay. Right. So I mean, once you once you get to seven, then you have you have all of these guys who can come I out. Um, and so that affects how you manage that game in six. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, at this point in, in game six in the World Series, I feel like you're you're pretty much pulling out all the stops under any circumstances. No matter no matter who's starting game seven, you're not going to just kind of let game six slip away because you, you feel confident about your game seven starter. Um, no, but you know, like, remember when the Rays had uh, Helixson uh, pitching and they pulled him after one inning, like one plus inning mm-hmm. uh, earlier yes. in this postseason? Yeah. 
Um, that's like the sort of thing you do when you're, you know, it seems like the sort of thing you do when you're behind in the series, but not ahead in the series. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's certainly not the sort of thing you do in the regular season. The more it becomes a must win, uh, the more likely you are to pull a guy super early and say, you know, we'll figure out the next day's bullpen the next day. Mm -hmm. We've got to win this game. So like, let's say Lackey comes out, uh, and gives up, you know, three in the first, uh, you know, inning and a half and there's two guys on. Uh, and and two out mm. uh, is Dubrant hot at that point? Is Dempster uh, has Dempster already thrown twenty five warm up pitches at that point, or do they have the luxury of just sort of letting that game play out and then uh, saving Dempster and Dubrant for the next day and treating that day as the everybody goes day? Uh, I feel like they can kind of do both. I mean, they have they have tomorrow off. Uh, today if you're if you're listening to this on uh tuesday and so I, I feel like they have enough arms at this point that they can if if lackey is struggling they could go to duprant uh and then if pv is struggling in game seven they would still have dempster to throw in there if they needed to they would still have uh buckholtz to throw in there if they needed to so i, I feel like I don't know. There, there's just yeah, so much they're coming time out off from a position. at yeah. this point um, that I, I think they could, they could afford to be aggressive in Game Six and not compromise their ability to be aggressive in Game Seven completely. Maybe, maybe they save Dubrant for Game Seven because I guess I would have more confidence in him than I would probably in in Dempster or certainly Buckholtz. So maybe if you're already losing the game, then you then you go with one of those shakier options. Um, but yeah, I think they can afford to be pretty aggressive both nights. All right. Uh, well, we'll end it. I just, as we end it, uh, I want to note that Lana, uh, of Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, uh, tweeted at Shelby Miller, blink once if you're okay, blink <laughs> twice if you need someone to break into the clubhouse and rescue you. And while we were talking, Shelby Miller replied to her blinking once. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. All right, so we'll be back tomorrow with the email show, uh, podcast at baseballperspectus.com. We could use some questions, and um, we'll be back for that.